Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, April 7th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion about Moon Knight, Episode 2, Summon the Suit. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's episode, Brad couldn't be here, so his his other ident- his other personality has shown up, and that is uh, Slash Film News Writer Ryan Scott. Uh, hey everyone, happy Wednesday. Um, you know, it's funny, I started I started coming on the podcast because I was the de facto guy that talked about that like new box office stuff, and seemingly nobody else wanted to talk about it, and then I somehow keep sneaking my way onto these things for other things, so uh, you know what, I, I'm here for it, but it's interesting the trajectory here. <laughs> yeah, Brad, um... It's a way, so we, we needed someone to fill in. And, uh, you know, I, I first went to Ryan. I was like, what do you think of Moon Knight? Because uh, be- earlier you kind of expressed some criticism on the the format of this being kind of like a movie spread out over a bunch of different episodes. Yes. Than it being a TV series. Yes. But, uh, um, it, but yeah, you, that, you actually like the show. I, I love it so far, which sort of almost dovetails back into my original frustration, but like, no, I really, I really like it a lot. Um, I have a couple of like minor complaints that almost all tie back to the same thing, but, uh, yeah, like it's, they're almost like problems of they're, they're, they're kind of champagne problems relative to the whole thing. But, uh, no, so far I, I, I'm very much on board for what's going on here. And uh, I mentioned last week that Brad and I have seen the first four episodes. Uh, have you seen more than this, or is this all you've seen? No, I uh, I don't like getting too far ahead on stuff. I think I had the opportunity to see a couple more, but I'm only I'm only at two. I sort of like watching stuff as it as it comes airs, out. Yeah. yeah, or like maybe a little early or whatever. But like I yeah, I like to kind of. I like to kind of be with everyone on it, so I'm so I'm with everyone else. I've only seen the first two right now. Okay, so just so you know, any speculation that Ryan gives us is out of no knowledge of any future episodes. And I, of course, uh, when I know something, will not say anything. 
So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be testing Peter's poker face today. <laughs> okay. Uh, as you know, with these episodes, we do in four segments, we do feedback, answering your questions, uh, common speculation uh we go into our brief reactions we go into breakdown of the episode beat by beat and then we end with speculation so first off we got a bunch of emails this past week but honestly a lot of them answered questions from the first episode that were that were answered in the second episode they're like i think that um ethan hawk's character was the, the avatar before steven like okay that would have been a great uh thing to read you know that would have been a great piece of speculation if if it wasn't answered in this episode so we don't have that many emails to answer in this week's episode but there were um well first of all last week we had a discussion i had this discussion with brad about how is moon knight gonna fit into the greater mcu and Francisco M. wrote in, he said, the showrunner has already mentioned that Moon Knight will not be tied to the MCU. So you are correct. Now, that might be the case for this show. But, um, Ryan, how do you think this is, like, eventually Moon Knight's going to have to fit in somewhere, right? Well, you would think, or at least you would think Marvel had plans for that. But there's also the bit that's been floating around that Oscar Isaac has said, he did not sign one of those long Marvel contracts. He signed up just for the show. So, you know, mm. after this, he's done contractually speaking. Now, obviously, Marvel being what it is, you know, but it could continue. But they would then have to go to Oscar. They would have to put together a team and they would have to get everyone on board again. You know, so. Well, well I mean, it could be like every other Marvel thing where, you know, Moon Knight Actually, I'm not even sure if this is true because I haven't read the Moon Knight comics. But I'm assuming if Conchu needed a new avatar, that new avatar would be the new Moon Knight? I'm not even I sure. I mean, if you that's could. True. They've sort of. I haven't read a ton of Moon Knight. Um, <laughs> I've read some select stuff. And, you know, the stuff I've read, it's Mark Spector. So, I mean, but yeah. they did sort of build that in. Like, you know, they built that in. I, maybe they built that into the show intentionally now that I think about it, like where. They sort of made it pretty clear that other people have been before and other people can be later. Yeah. Um, just in case Oscar doesn't want to keep doing it. But uh, but yeah, like so. So, I mean, it, it, yeah, I guess in that sense, there there might be ways to fit Moon Knight into the larger MCU. But as far as this iteration of it, it is really up in the air. Yeah, I was going to say you could kill Steven off. But as we're going to get into this episode, he might uh, he might even be dead. I don't know. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, but if they were going to integrate, um, if they were going to integrate Moon Knight into MCU, wh where do you see him fitting in? At this point, I don't. Um, <laughs> uh, well, no, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but I, I sort yeah. of like that it is able to be. I think as the MCU evolves, we really need to be able to find ways for like more standalone stuff and. Uh, uh, yeah, and, like, that's fine. And, like, maybe you eventually do find a way to fold him in. But for now, it's okay that, you know, he doesn't. And, uh, um, you know, I don't. I mean, he's a powerful hero. Like, whenever something, whenever there's a threat that emerges that he might be called for that is greater than any one hero, you know, it's like anything in comics. He could be, you know, he could be pulled in. And But for now, it. I, I honestly don't know where that would be. 
I don't know. Like I, I, I do feel like the MCU is getting a little large, and you do have to break it down into these smaller, bite-sized universes. And that doesn't mean it's that much smaller. Like you know, we've had the cosmic side of things. We have yeah. the the strange side of things. The the multiverse. I mean, it's quite a big place. But I, I think they're going to end up having to break it down even more. Like you know what? I know that the the Netflix shows, the ground level New York uh, universe. I'm not sure if that is considered canon or not. I guess that's, it maybe that's is. still very up in the air. Yeah, but I mean, well, like that's a good example thing- of that. Do you know what I mean like having Those, like a little yeah. uh, area of the MCU that is kind of cordoned off, um, but has some characters that can interact with each other? Yeah, well, yeah, and I mean, I actually like that about the the Mar- the Netflix shows for a long time, but it always felt like they could be called into action if needed. Like, the, but there was that weird thing recently where like marvel on one of their official websites like updated bios for the characters or something oh i didn't and, like, see that and for matt murdoch like as in the mcu's matt murdoch like they referenced all the events of the netflix shows and then they're like sometime later in spider-man no way home so it made it seem like it was all connected but then like they quickly re-edited those parts out so it was like for a second it seemed like they acknowledged that they were canon and then they didn't so I still don't know what the hell is going on with that stuff. But. <laughs> that was probably some editor at Marvel and then like Marvel Studios like, no, take that out of there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I still can't help but wonder if they're just going to explain that away with like variants or something so they don't have to like take Iron Fist if they don't want to. Okay, another email I got, uh, the person doesn't want to be mentioned, but um, last week I mentioned that next to Mark's fish tank, there was a bunch of postcards that he had been sent. He like puts one, put one up like at the beginning of the episode. And then uh, also when he's leaving his house, he's like talking to his mom on the phone or leaving his mom a message or I actually, I think he's talking back and forth with the mom on the phone when he, when he gets into the bus and stuff like that. Uh, So I, last week I wondered, you know, is his mom sending him the postcards? Who's sending them the postcards? Um, Someone wrote in and, uh, well, well, I guess uh, someone wrote in and the question that they want to ask is, is Steven the main personality? Like, is he, is it Mark or Steve? Like, who is the real person? If like you had to look up the records of who this actual person is. Oh, who is, who is I see. the real person? Because if it isn't Steven and he's talking to his mom, wouldn't the mom be like, Steven, why are you doing this weird accent? That's an interesting question. That part of it. But, but my feeling is that Mark is the primary because there's too many elements of Mark's life that seem very encompassing. Yeah. Um, and then, like, since he's a mercenary and has all this crazy, like, you could easily, one of his, like, fake passports could have been, like, Stephen Grant. And then, like, this alter ego just took over that. You know what I mean? So that would explain, like, how Stephen has documentation and stuff. And so I'm getting the sense that, like, because it's less interesting as Stephen's the real guy. And then, like, <laughs> you just find out that his alter ego is Mark. It's more interesting if you start the show out from, like, you think Steven is the real guy, but then it turns out like Mark is the real guy. Yeah. So I think like that. And and obviously if you just go from the source material, 
you know, ultimately Mark is the guy. So like, I, I, I kind of think that's what it is, but you're right. Then that does open up weird questions about like, yeah, talking to his mom or things like that. But that's my guess right now. Like, that's what I feel. Well, there's the other possibility about the postcards too, is there's the possibility that the postcards are sent by himself to himself. Totally. Totally. There's a shot in that first episode, which uh, is in the gift shop and it like has in the, in the foreground and the close up is like a bunch of postcards at his, at his museum. So uh, yeah. maybe that's a setup. Maybe like this is a, not only does he have different personalities, but he invents other people who he communicates with. I don't know. Yeah. It could be like a fight club situation for sure. Yeah. Okay. Let's, uh let's go into our brief thoughts on this episode I'll, I'll start with you ryan what did what did you think of episode two uh i really liked it um i really did i uh my only complaint is having to get up early in the morning to watch it but uh <laughs> um for the sake of work but uh but yeah like i'm not really a morning person so um but no i really like i i really yeah, but the pro- well, I don't want to get into all this for work schedule and things like that. <laughs> uh, I tried, uh, but uh, but anyway, um, uh, but yeah, no. Uh, that aside, I really do. Um, I, I'm I'm compelled by it. I I think Oscar Isaac is clearly having a blast. Like it seems like for the f- maybe for the first time ever in like a big project, he's getting to actually do something he finds interesting, <laughs> and. Yeah. Uh, well, because like you know, I think I think he signed on for X Men Apocalypse, and that became what it was. And I don't think that's what he intended. And and I think Star Wars was another example of like, you know, maybe he didn't love what happened after the Force Awakens, but he really seems to be having a great time with this. And uh, by the way, that but and, that was uh, his fault. Because he begged, he was supposed to die in Force Awakens, and he basically begged well, right, JJ to but, keep him alive, and they didn't really have right, any, but I, but I'm anything saying, to do with his character. Right, but I also just think that, like, where those, that's, yeah, yeah you're right, we don't yeah, have a whole conversation about that, yeah, yeah. but, like, whatever the case, he seems to be having a really good time, and, and so that's nice to see, and, and I I personally love Ethan Hawke, and, like, yes, I think, like, the, I think this, the, like, it's no secret that Marvel villains have often been kind of an afterthought in these movies. And, uh, um, yeah, getting like Ethan Hawke so far is shaping up to be a, a very interesting villain, which, which I'm, which I'm very interested in. And just the idea that there's a very different way to tell a story and a very different way to tell like a superhero origin story, um, visually very different, uh, yeah, it's I, I like the sort of mystery box of it and the way that it's sort of unfolding. It 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 it's absolutely keeping me gripped. I almost feel like this episode should have been released last week with the the first episode almost as a two parter because it kind of you know that first episode I I do agree with you Ryan that it like it ends in like a mid scene. I know it's a I know it's, it's supposed un- to be like a cliffhanger, but it feels it doesn't feel like a TV show. The way, the no, way the and I still went. don't think it. I, I still don't think it does an episode two, frankly. But like, um, but no, that first episode was like, it felt like okay, here was the first quarter of a movie, yeah, and yeah. then we just you know credits, 
Um, I like the yeah. That, so I don't know, one, but again, like that's. Yeah, I was gonna say I like that this one expands on the mythology. It gives us more answers, but also more questions. And I I like shows that do that. And I I like the stuff with uh, Mark and Steven like going at each other. Like uh, that's yep. kind of been amped up this week. That's that's some fun stuff. And I don't know how. I don't even know how you film that. Like, <laughs> I don't think I've actually seen a behind the scenes of how someone uh, films. Like, like are they acting opposite, like some like a stand-in, or do they feel like this Oscar Isaac film one side of the performance and then they play back his performance to act against him? It seems like I have no hard. idea. It seems like yeah, I have no idea. I think about that a lot when I see like. You know, like in social network where like Army Hammer's playing, you know, yeah. two people or whatever. Like I, I but but also like I very much I say this a lot. I'm just a fan of this stuff. And like, yeah, so I watch, you know, behind the scenes stuff. I listen to Blu-ray commentaries from time to time. And, you know, so I so I like, you know, seeing how the sausage is made on some level. But I am not a filmmaker. So stuff like that. I'm with you. I'm like, I don't know how that's done. And that's pretty cool. Um. Uh, can I ask? Can I ask you a question in terms of like your overall feelings here? Sure. Uh, how do you feel about the visual effects, like the CGI? Oh, um, I don't know. Like some of the stuff, like looks good. Like the skull on Conchu looks good, but then some of the stuff doesn't. I don't know. Yeah, it's a mixed bag for sure. It looks like TV CGI to me, and yeah. you can tell where the budget's getting stretched. And that's like one of those things where it's like, if that werewolf was in a movie, it would look better. <laughs> you know, like I don't, you know, and I hate to keep saying that stuff, but that's like where the dividing line between like what TV can do and what movies can do really becomes clear. And uh, because the one thing it's like, it's important to note that like, okay, so a two hour movie, you know, essentially every minute of something costs a lot of money. Yeah. So if you're going to make six episodes of something, you've got to stretch that budget over more minutes. And so, like, you know, some of that stuff does get difficult to do on a TV budget. And and yeah, that's like where you can, you know, but that's where I see it the most. Um, well, I think and, there's, yeah, like there's the, no know, like, there's no spoiler in saying how this ends up at the end of this episode. I think. I think it's a safe to say, Ryan, that you're going to you're going to see where the budget goes in the coming episode. <laughs> no, and I'm sure. But but that's the point, though, is they have to pick and choose where the budget goes. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So some of those shots, you know, and as someone who watched a lot of the stuff, you notice that stuff, you know, and I've always been big on that because I'll go to like, you know, movies that were made 20 years ago. And I'm like, why is it that the CGI looks better in this movie than it does in your movie that was made today? You know, and so sometimes I get a little. Yeah. I get a little uppity about like the we have the technology and you have all of the money. <laughs> Why doesn't yeah. this look good? By the way, sometimes it's not just the money. Sometimes it's the time. Although here, I think they probably had a, a more time because of the pandemic. But also the I'm pandemic throws a, a, a wrench time. into the thing because you know probably everybody's working from home doing these shots that we're seeing here, and it's like a very different uh, totally. Yeah, I'm not um, going to claim oh. to know, but but the, <laughs> but the audience cares not. The result is what it is. Yeah, I mean, the question is, do you buy in? Like, is is it distracting enough that it takes you out of it? For me, 
uh, the answer is I, I'm buying in. I, I don't, I wasn't distracted by it being that bad. So, um, okay, let's do, let's dive in here. Let's go into a breakdown. Uh, this episode begins with Steven waking up from a nightmare in his, in the shackles in his bed. And he tries to talk to his other self in the mirror to no avail. And, uh, why do you think at first Mark isn't appearing to him? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I think what's weird is I'm such a surface level watcher that like basic ass questions of analysis. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, what a good question. Uh, like it's why I'm a terrible like critic. I, I just, I, I'm like, I really am. Well, I don't even have a, a theory on this one. I was just wondering. I was like, he seems to show up every other reflection, but not this first one. It's like, it's, it's kind of weird. Well, I think in the beginning of this episode, there was still like perhaps some question of the dream state a little bit. And I think Mark yeah. was still a little more at bay. And I think like as this episode goes on, it it the uniting of the two. Because even at the end, there's that bit of discussion where Mark's like, you know, it's never been like this before. Or I forget what he says exactly, but there's an acknowledgement of like, this is not, this is sort of the first time it's happening. Like these two personalities are at conflict on this level. Yeah. Um, I do want to point out right now that the visual cinematography of this episode seems to me to be a little bit more interesting than the first episode. Like that opening shot of him waking up starts like a, a close up of the sand uh, that's surrounding his bed and kind of amps up to his face but it does so in a way that we're hearing like the screams from the uh the jackals from the end of last week's episode and we're seeing the sand and it could be like the sand dunes of egypt um and just a i don't know interesting way of doing it by the way um obviously this episode ends in, in egypt so uh like george lucas would say it's like poetry it rhymes i don't know um <laughs> <laughs> then in the <laughs> next yeah in, in the next scene we see him entering his museum uh and it's done from this like camera move that starts like looking down as he's climbing the stairs and then it tilts and cranes down and follows him but upside down and i think i think all these you know these aren't just visually interesting shots just to be cool and interesting i think like you know obviously that sand in the beginning is to echo what is to come at the end of the episode and to, to tee that up. But also I think that, you know, the upside down shot of Steven, it's kind of like, you know, this was Steven's normal life, his museum job and the gift shop. And now it's kind of been flipped upside down. So I, I, I don't know. I, I just appreciate that. And I uh, wanted to point that out. Um, although there was a cool shot last week episode that we didn't bring up where it was like a shot of him talking to the living statue. And it seemed like it was a shot that was like just a normal shot, but it ended up being a shot that was a reflection in the puddle. I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah. 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 Um, um, yeah. And also probably now is a good time to say that the, the directors of this episode, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, uh, did you have any, uh, have you seen any of their stuff? Uh, yeah, with the Endless, I believe they did. Yeah, uh, that was one of theirs. Yes, yeah, Endless is really good, and I'm very excited for. I think it's called Something in the Dirt is the movie they have coming out. Um, I'm way, way excited about that based on the reactions I've heard from uh, various festival screenings and whatnot. Um, I quite like, I quite like their uh, the cut of their jib, as an old man might say. 
Yeah, no, totally. Uh, they directed this horror film in 2013 called Resolution, and it was like kind of critically acclaimed. Uh, they did segments in that VHS uh, viral anthology movie. Oh, yes, I've seen. I love the first two VHS movies, so yes, yeah. okay. And then they, I discovered them in that 2017 film, The Endless, which is so weird, so good. Uh, if you haven't seen this, go i'm not sure if it's on netflix or where it is but go seek it out it's about two it's, brothers it's streaming somewhere right now yeah it's about two brothers who receive a cryptic video message inspiring them to revisit this ufo death cult that they escaped a decade earlier and i almost don't want to give you any more than that because it's so interesting and weird and i'm actually kind of surprised that you uh unlike me did not go find their 2013 movie resolution because uh the endless kind of um i'm not even sure if you know this ryan but the endless has some of the same characters and some of the situations from that movie, appear that. In that movie yeah so some of the places it goes it, it's kind of cool it's like this almost uh benson and moorhead cinematic universe of sorts <laughs> um, oh that's cool uh just 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 for people that may want to know uh, according to uh, the internet currently, uh, you can stream The Endless for free on YouTube right now. They do movies with ads. Tubi, same thing. Roku Channel, same thing. But if you want without ads, it looks like it's also on Amazon Prime Video. So you got a lot of options. Oh, wow. And we should also mention that, uh, I don't know, I think these guys are going to be big, big. They're they're kind of like guys that like, you know, they they write, they direct, they are their cinematographers or the editor, you know, they they like do more than one thing. So like they, they're kind of across the board and also they're, uh, they're directing every episode of moon Knight, every other episode of moon Knight. Um, but they're also going to be directors on Loki season two. So they have a big career ahead of them. If you want to, you know, get on the train early, go check out the endless. I think that's probably the, um, the most ex- accessible entry point to their career. Uh, but if you if you like that, maybe check out um, Resolution. Anyways, okay, we, we are... Uh, oh, there is an article on the site um, that I think Brad did. Who did it? No, Raphael. Uh, but I think it was based off uh, quotes that Brad got in his interview. They actually got this Moon Knight gig because they, were, they kept on meeting with Marvel for other things too. Um, I heard that they they met for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness before Sam Raimi, you know, came in and was like, I'm interested in doing a Marvel movie. And then, like, you know, Feige's like, okay, cancel all the other meetings. Uh, so, uh, uh. yeah. So, so yeah, if you want to get in on them early, there's also an article on the site that goes over them if you want to learn more about Benson and Moorhead. Um, but, yeah. Anyways, um, so he gets to the work. The security guard at the work reviews the footage with him of the night before, and he doesn't see the Egyptian jackal that was chasing him. Instead, it looks like you know he was a crazy person running around from nothing. And uh, when he leaves, it's Mark. It's not uh, Stephen, and uh, it's very like Fight Club esque in a way. I think us revisiting moments from that we saw previously, and it, it's you know just the person uh so steven is given a referral by hr to see a psychiatrist and they aren't pressing charges but he is laid off so uh i also want to mention that i love how they're using like reflections in every scene even when he's not arguing with mark like here in the 
the doctors or the enough doctor's office, the HR office. Um, there's like a glass tabletop that we see the reflection of Steven in and later, uh, much la later in the episode, we even see like a reflection in like a bread bowl. We see a reflection in a gun, a pistol. <laughs> so I, 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 I like that they're playing with the reflections, um, in the series. So, um, so here's the moment where he, he confides with his living statue friend what's happened. And uh, even though the statue does not say anything back to him, uh, he becomes convinced he needs to prove that he's not going crazy. Ryan, what do you think is going on with this living statue character? Um, uh, I don't know. You get the sense that Steven's kind of a loner for I mean, for what becomes obvious reasons, but like this, like living, you know, so within the world, like this living statue, like, well, they have kind of a shtick. So it's not like Steven, it's not like the living statue can be like, fuck off, Steven. Um, you know, like, so, so I think like, it's kind of like a weird, sad, like, you know, kind of sad sort of friendship, but I know I didn't write it, but there, there is actually, uh, Apparently that that living statue is like a like an important character within yes, yeah. like the the yeah like he's like actually an important character within Marvel canon. I don't know if that I don't really want to dig too much into that just in case it ends up being like a spoiler for people that you know maybe might find something out later or whatever but like yeah so that I mean there's that but like as it's presented in the show up to this point I just think yeah. it's Steven sort of needing a friend and it's kind of like a really sad thing if you just think about it. I love that he doesn't even say anything back to him. And he just comes to the conclusion as if like he had this long conversation with this living statue guy, but living statue guy didn't say anything. <laughs> so, um, Well, it's like, if you ever, but, but what I take that as like, I don't know if you ever had this, but like you, you'll be thinking about something deeply and then you just vocalize it. Like you kind of finally get the chance to like, express your thoughts out loud to someone else and you realize you've already worked it all out you just needed to say it out loud and like i i almost get the sense that that's sort of what's happening with steven he's so in his own head and he's got more going on in his head than any of us do and then like him just getting the chance to actually like talk totally um so last week he found this key in this phone hidden in his apartment and uh, the key had this mark on it, which uh, turns out is a storage facility. So he found the storage facility, which uh, Mark had set up. And on the you wrote an article about this QR code thing that's going on. I did. So what is going? Oh, we should mention that. So outside his locker was this QR code. And uh, this is something that they did last week that we didn't notice or I didn't notice. So yeah. what is going on with the QR codes? Uh, I love this. Uh, so what's going on with these QR codes? They hid these QR codes in each of the episodes so far, and it seems like they're going to do more. And what it does is you scan the QR code and it takes you to a free comic and you can read the comic online. And what it is, these, they're comics that ultimately inspired the episodes of Moon Knight. And so through the first two episodes, it's Werewolf by Night 32 and Werewolf by Night 33. Uh, and those are like sequential issues. And you can even see on the cover art for Werewolf by Night 33 that it like very much inspires the big fight sequence that we see later in this episode. So I think that's really cool because I'm a big proponent of like, please read comics like we all love this stuff and the comics are where they come from. So I think it's really cool that like even though it's like a weird Easter egg that Marvel is kind of like 
encouraging digging into the source material in this way. So I thought that was really neat. Yeah, I, I like that idea. Um, that's a Easter egg I can get behind. Um, and I feel like Marvel is... It, it almost feels like Marvel is ashamed of its <laughs> of its um, origins as comics at times. Do you know what I mean? It like, feels like they... they it, it feels like they almost treat like the comic, the comics are too silly. Like uh, you go to, um, this is probably a bad example, but um, they just opened uh, a year or so ago, a Marvel themed land in Disney, California adventure and Disneyland resort called Avengers campus. And there, you can't even buy a comic anywhere in this theme. It's like, now that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. So um I don't know. It just seems to me so I'm I'm glad that Marvel would be like aside from aside from like giving Stanley cameos, it feels like they've really kind of they don't really embrace their history as a comic company. And um I'm glad that they're doing this QR thing because uh, you know, comics are the source of all this. So yeah, it's a fun it's a fun way to sort of like at least help. And it, again, they're not charged. They're, they're not taking you to like a purchase link. They're like you can just read, you know, you just read them right there. You know, it, it's it's cool. And like, the you know, so uh, I, I like again, I like it. It's nice. And and also this is kind of there is a Halloween special in the works for Disney Plus that is going to center on Werewolf by Night. So this also could easily be like a kind of teasing what's to come, too. Which is oh, cool. yeah. I didn't even think about that. Um, okay, so inside this locker is a safe room with a cot, some clothes, some cash from different uh, international locations, so a gun, passports, uh, supplies, even uh, that golden scarab that uh, we saw last week's episode. Um, uh, Ryan, I recently got a storage locker. And it's funny when you get a storage <laughs> locker, you you actually have to sign a bunch. The it, it, the contract for a storage locker is actually very funny because you're signing to things yep. that you would think that you would never have to, like that they would never have to actually ask someone to sign. Uh, <laughs> so some of the things was like um, you have to agree that that you will never lock yourself or any other living thing inside the storage locker. <laughs> Um, which I guess is a way of saying that you're never going to plan to live inside it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, because people do that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they do. I'm sure it would be cheap rent. Uh, But uh, this storage locker seems rather large. It would probably be very expensive, especially in London, (laughs) because I I know how much we're spending on a, like a small, like, I don't know what it is, a five by five or something. (laughs) That's like, in you know, not, not even in like the, the, more expensive areas so mark is in uh not not the cheap or uh, steven's not in the cheap area of london so um anyways uh but mark mark doesn't seem to have money problems so i, I oh, think yeah. uh he probably swings storage locker uh i wanted to point out some easter eggs on this passport uh, there's a passport for mark and it lists mark's birthday as march 9th 1987 which is the same day that Oscar Isaac uh, was born, but a different year. He was born in 1979. Why did they change the year, but not the days? I don't. I don't know. Maybe, maybe uh, they want you to think that the character's younger than he is. I don't know. Oscar Isaac always looks to me like he was like born in the 70s. 
but but they also don't like they're not like aging him down like he yeah. looks like a dude in his 40s yeah. you know what i mean like it's not like they're trying to totally uh the other interesting thing here is the issue date on the passport is december 14th 2018 uh, which I don't know how much we should read into this because this is probably a fake passport. And it, if it was fabricated, I'm not sure if the issue date means anything. But if it usually fake passports are like created using a real passport and then augmented, usually. Um, so if you did take this as like a passport that that Mark slash Stephen got on December 14, 2018, that would mean that it was issued during the blip which began in May 2018, which means that um, Mark was probably not sna snapped away. So, I mean, it doesn't confirm anything. I guess I'm... I... Ryan, these are the No, the it doesn't confirm details. anything, but... <laughs> but boy, that is a little detail, isn't it? Like, man, for people, because I would have never found that on my own. Um, why do you know so much about fake passports? uh good good question no i anytime any <laughs> anything with dates or anything shows up on the show i pause the screen and i have to like search because usually the dates will align to like issues of comics and stuff like that um so it's actually interesting to come up with uh with isaac's uh birthday because i didn't expect that anyways um uh mark finally shows up in the reflection in in the storage room they argue uh Fun stuff, right? Like, do you are you enjoying them arguing? Uh, Oscar Isaac arguing with Oscar Isaac as much as I am. Yes, but I I worry the gag will get tired if they if they sort of overdo it. Um, yeah. but but the end of this episode led me to believe that's not going to be the case. Okay, so he tells him he's in danger and instructs him to go to sleep so that he can take over his body. He informs Stephen that he serves Kanchu. He's Kanchu's avatar, and that means Stephen is too. They protect the vulnerable and deliver Kanchu's form of justice. Uh, Stephen threatens to turn himself into the authorities, and that's when Kanchu shows up with this really creepy flickering motion-activated lighting in the storage room, and it seems kind of like a horror film. Kind of, kind of, um, you know. Benson and Moorhead, I, I think, are perfect for this series because they, they you know, have done some horror. And I, I'm really liking how the horror stu stu elements of this is coming out. Um, so Stephen makes a run for it, happens to bump into Layla, uh, who is on a bike. And we first see kind of upside down there. Uh, this is the friend that kept calling Mark's cell phone the friend that uh, Mark had been ghosting for quite some time. So she, she knows about the suit and she's apparently Mark's wife. We learn. So uh, yeah, learning information fast. You know, th this is, this is what I like. Um, Marvel does good. Sometimes is when there's like exposition for us to learn, like, you know, put it on a bike chase, <laughs> you know, some yeah. shit's going down and we're learning, like, we need to learn this stuff fast. And it's not like, you know, homework. Yeah. Find a way to weave the, the stuff into <laughs> like the narrative points, yeah. um, which I like, which I do. I agree with you that Marvel kind of does, they get crap for certain things, but there is an efficiency in their storytelling in that yeah. way. Uh, so they go back to Steven's home uh, she still doesn't believe that he's not Mark. Uh, she pulls out the papers that Mark sent her for 
the divorce. He says, I would never divorce you. So I think that this is an interesting story. I'm not sure if we've seen this before. We probably have. Where Stephen is falling for his other personalities, former love. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think yeah, that's, that's an in- That's an interesting... It is an interesting dynamic because he's like... Because, you know, Steven's a very lonely guy. And, like, he missed out on that date in the last episode. Yeah. And, like, got him to broke his veganism for a steak. And, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> as as as, uh, as as any good woman is capable of doing. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, he... So he sees this, like, you know, beautiful, cool, daring woman. And he's just like, what do you mean divorce? <laughs> He's like, what you know, I, I did love that. That he's like, he, he's just with fresh eyes. Like, what do you mean divorce? Like, I, lo- I love, I do love that. I forget which part it was, but when shit was like really going crazy, uh, you mentioned the steak. He was like, I should have never eaten that steak. <laughs> like, because like. It, yeah, it, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so she discovers the scarab and that's an artifact that her and Mark had been searching for for quite some time. And I think at this point, she kind of finally realizes that uh, this person that she's talking to might be Mark, but he doesn't remember her. And uh, some detectives show up at the flat. Their name, their name, they give their names. Their names are Fitzgerald and Kennedy, uh, which seems very intentional to use the middle and you know last name of JFK. Uh, in the credits, the characters are named Billy and Bobby. Why do you think they would use such a like obvious bad you know fake names, right? I goes back to me being a terrible critic here, and a ter- terrible analysis uh, <laughs> analyst of uh, of the art that I consume. Uh, boy, would I have never thought about that in a, <laughs> if it were not asked of me. So I wish I had a more satisfying yeah. answer for you. But, uh, man, do I just like to watch stuff and not think about it sometimes. <laughs> well, to those of us that, that uh, are, are asking more questions, I think I'm guessing that them giving the name Fitzgerald and Kennedy is to cl- clue us into being like, something's off here. Why Why are Why are the uh, detectives showing up? You know, why weren't they at the work? The work said they weren't going to press. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it, it's still like kind of be the first um, indicator that something's not right here. Uh, The officers arrest him. They find his passport that says his name's Mark Spector, and they look it up, and in the police records, he's an international mercenary who point-blank killed a bunch of archaeologists. Ryan, do you think he actually did this? Uh, Yes, I do. Um... Seems pretty clear that uh, Mark is carrying out the wishes of Khonshu here. And uh, Mark is a mercenary. Mercenaries are, they're not always the most sightly. They like, they don't, they don't do the glorious jobs. So no, I, I, I do believe. And I also, but I also believe it could have been like, cause we're going to find out with Arthur here in a minute that like Arthur's got a lot of people doing stuff at his behest. And Mark has clearly been at odds with Arthur for a long time. Yeah. So it could have been that these archaeologists working for Arthur, Mark knew that, um, you know, and so like, you know, the police report makes it look like, oh, my God, these poor archaeologists were brutally murdered. Whereas like, you know, Mark is sort of getting his hands dirty for for the what Conchu sees as the greater good. Hmm. 
See, I, I'm going to disagree with you on this one, Ryan. I think we're going to learn. Well, okay, I have comic evidence here. So if, if you don't want to hear this, you know, skip ahead a minute. Uh, but in the comics, uh, there's a point where he apparently went out with uh, Bushman, who Bushman killed the archaeologist in the comics and then attempted to kill Mark. And he was left for dead in the desert. Uh, and I think that was like in front of the statue of Kunchu, which is how he ended up becoming Moon Knight. Maybe you've read more of the comics than I have, so I, I'm not exactly sure. That I'm I'm kind of piecing this together through Wiki, Wikipedia's and stuff like that. Yeah, I never read the origin stuff, unfortunately. Like I read uh, a couple of the later miniseries, so sadly I don't have insight uh, there. But that, yeah, that would make sense. That like, because you're right now, I'm recalling the. Uh, the but but also like you know marvel famously adapts things very faithfully so. very uh, <laughs> yeah very loosely um but i i, I don't yeah, think so. I, I don't think they want to make him out to be a bad guy though right like you don't i don't know they they one thing no that but, marvel if, but does if they're is, guys what are you gonna say oh go ahead go ahead go ahead sorry. i was gonna say one, one thing that marvel does is they do tone down like the the moral in ambiguity of their heroes in the the movies and yes. tv shows i feel yeah a little bit so, um, um well yeah but i guess yeah i guess i guess though if you if you wrote it off as i'm sort of pot positing that they might that these were like bad guys working for arthur that like suddenly it would not seem as you know he would not have as much moral ambiguity there um yeah but but again, that you you could be very right that like they're just gonna go faithful origin here and and he was framed. That's that's a little less interesting to me, but possible. One of the many articles we have on the site uh, discussing the second episode is by Raphael, and he said uh, the title is "Moon Knight is not an origin story." The other and other superhero shows should take note. It's worth reading. Um, I wanted to mention here, but I do want to ask you, do you think we're actually going to find out the origin story of Moon Knight in this series? Yeah. Yeah. It might not be like, you know how like the Batman was like super big. I'm like, we're not going to show his origin story. We're not going to, we're not going to make you watch Bruce Wayne's Bruce Wayne's yeah. parents die again. But then like the whole movie seemed obsessed with like Bruce <laughs> Wayne's parents and like, they just so badly wanted to show it, but they just kept talking about it instead. Yeah. Uh, like, I feel like we might get, some shades of that here where like we're not doing an origin story we're not doing an origin story but we're gonna keep talking about it we're gonna keep referencing it we're gonna keep like alluding to it we might get a few flashbacks but we're you know so like it's gonna kind of want to want to have one foot in both camps i think maybe that's again that's my guess i don't I really like care it's a captain marvel approach like captain marvel where like you know she didn't know what was going on at the beginning but by the end of the movie she we got the origin story yeah through flashbacks and yeah, whatever yeah. else yeah so like so sure they could go that route with it look i don't at the end of the day i don't care if it's an origin story or not as long as it's good and like the only problem with like batman is like you know you everyone knows it like moon knight does not have that problem so it's not necessarily a problem to show the origin if it all if it's all done well yeah uh, worth noting that the file on the computer is dated 1975, which is the year that Moon Knight was first appeared. And 
The assigned agent is listed as Nick Pepin, who is the production manager of Moon Knight and a bunch of the other Marvel productions. So Easter eggs there. Uh, after having seen what he did to the archaeologist, Stephen declares that he'll never give Mark control of his body again. Uh, instead of taking Stephen to the police station, they bring him to an alley where Arthur is there, and he now understands why his scales didn't balance, and he wonders... Uh, did he choose? Did um, Kanchu choose him because his mind was so easy to break, or is was broken already? And uh, he sees Kanchu, and he tells Stephen to to kill Arthur, but he doesn't. And I think it's interesting here that Arthur mentions the wind in the alley is all he can do without your help, which um. You know, he says he often throws temper tantrums like a two-year-old. None, none of the gods respect him, blah, 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 blah. Um, I think this kind of is interesting because this establishes these these ancient Egyptian gods which who are so powerful are really powerless on today in modern Earth. Like, they need these avatars to do their bidding. Or at least Khonshu does. Like, it might, I don't oh. know. The, like, we don't know about the other Egyptian gods so much, but um good point yeah like that that could be like conchu's gig we don't know you know um yeah which but again even that is like a compelling idea right like uh you're an egyptian god with all this power but you're like powerless without a, you know a flesh suit to do your bidding it's pretty cool yeah uh we explored this neighborhood which used to be this really bad place now it's a a really nice community they all aspire to speak three different languages they're watching documentary films on the side of a building they (laughs) they even have vegan food it's all free yep ryan this cult seems like such a great place where do we sign up uh this is my favorite scene in the whole uh episode uh, or of the series so far actually the the kind of like walk and talk after arthur sort of picks up uh steven and and like the total 180 of like i'm not trying to kill you we're good i know what's going on let's let me show you my idyllic paradise here and try to indoctrinate you so i can get what i want um with some like delicious lentil soup uh no i i really did like that whole scene that like any jokes aside that 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 vincent's recipe yeah that that sequence worked like gangbusters to me and i loved like there were like the sort of like voyeur shots of like conchu watching and he can't really do anything about it um man yeah like that that whole bit and like ethan hawk just just really playing like a casual casual villain like he's really not like he's not twisted twisting a mustache you know he's very like like reserved and i think we're gonna eventually see him not be but i love this version of it as currently you know earlier when i was talking about uh benson and moorhead and saying that they're perfect for this property, I was just thinking in the, like the tone and the horror and the weirdness. And it, it wasn't until like we're talking about this cult right now that it occurs to me that the endless was about a cult as well. So it, I, I think I don't know. They were they're perfect for this in more ways than just uh, you know, the tone and aesthetic that they usually bring. Yeah, I certainly found them to be a compelling choice when I heard they were they yeah. were uh, they were on board. Um, really, the only significant observation I made about the episode, and I made a joke in Slack, and um, our lovely boss Jacob made me write about it, uh, that uh, that um, uh, the Arthur's plot uh, or Endgame 
his scheme seems to be like weirdly similar to Hot Fuzz, which I would have never thought. But like the the whole <laughs> okay, the spoilers whole, uh, for Hot Fuzz coming up. Yeah, fifteen year old movie that you should absolutely watch if you haven't. But like the whole idea of like this idyllic town has like these people that are in service of the greater good, even if it means like murdering a bunch of people and um. Yeah, like if you kind of it was it mirrored it way more than like that's funny when I when I first said it I was like oh that's silly and then when I was writing the article I was like oh no this is like weirdly similar and uh, I don't know if it's gonna ultimately end up you know because we don't know the full scope of Arthur's plan yeah, yeah. but like as it exists in this episode a, a, an odd comparison to to have made uh, but a good one nonetheless yeah. Uh, we learned that Conchu, he, the reason why Arthur knows so much about Conchu is because Arthur was his former avatar. And Arthur explains that Conchu punishes people after they've already committed their crimes. So their punishment comes too late after the people have, after people have already suffered. And Amit casts her judgment preemptively, which is why he's trying to resurrect her. Amit will light the path well, Amit will quote light the path to good by eradicating the choice of evil. What are your thoughts on on this whole thing? Like, it, it, is if there's no free will, is there really a paradise? Uh, you know, I, I actually this is another area where I feel a little dumb. I and it might have just been morning brain. I actually didn't realize that Arthur confirmed that he was the previous avatar. I thought he heavily insinuated it but i didn't realize that he confirmed it um i think he did but yeah well again that could have been me but it, but it heavily insinuated either way but but um i it was it just kept reminding me of minority report yeah um totally like where like and and like again another damn fine bit of company to be in uh if you're gonna compare your thing to a thing um but yeah that idea of like because like that whole table conversation at the table where steven is very much like you know what happens if a baby is going to do something later and arthur's basically like cool we killed a baby uh you know, like he doesn't really he doesn't come right out and say it but he's pretty much you know he makes the analogy about you know cutting off a diseased limb to save the body or whatever and yeah it's like the the you know it's that age old you know if you've had a couple of drinks in you around some friends, it's like, would you kill baby Hitler? You know, and then everyone has their moral dilemmas about whether or not that's a good idea. And this was like Marvel's <laughs> version of that conversation. And I thought that was interesting. I thought it was like a cool, you know, because again, like I, I like the idea that Arthur is not like a mustache twirling evil for the sake of evil guy. He does believe that he's right. And that he has, some justification for what he's doing and yeah. uh you know it, it's it's you know it's it's a it's a it's a interesting idea yeah um and it seems like that whole community is completely behind the idea of killing the little kid for something he does 30 years in the future yes but i still don't <laughs> you still can't help but wonder if it's like is this literally just a cult like is this just a arthur is such a salesman that like he's able to get these people on board or is there something more at work here? Like not that it's the mind stone, but like, does he have some help from, from Amit to like get these people under his sway? 
you know, that's what I'm wondering is like, is it really just, cause I think it's more interesting if he can just do it himself and, but like, you know, he does have a God on his side. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, we learned that the scarab is a compass that'll bring them to the tomb of Ahmet. So that's why they need it. And Legolas shows up at that time with the with it and uh, tells Stephen to summon the suit, which he doesn't know how to, and they make a run for it. Arthur uses Ahmet's cane to summon a creature that comes out of the ground and chases them. And it, I, I do want to mention that they, uh, the cane kind of turns a purple and the ground turns a purple and purple is kind of like the dark, the dark, uh, universe or something in the Marvel cinematic universe. Like, so we see like, we've seen it in Dr. Strange a little bit with, um, Dormammu and, um, one of my, uh, Oh, uh, WandaVision. We saw, um, Agatha. Uh, oh yeah yeah yeah. man again i had not put that together i am very dense uh yeah Yeah, whenever you see uh the colors of like thanos is purple oh yeah (laughs) but uh yeah so they they do keep uh the colors of especially like magic consistent kind of in the marvel cinematic universe which is kind of cool um so anyways uh they they're being chased. They're trapped now. Legola tries to convince Steven to summon the suit again, but he can't. A jackal breaks through the door, uh, but she doesn't see it. So it seems like only only uh, Steven can see it. He runs and jumps out the window, hitting his head in the process, which I'm not sure what that does. Like At first, I thought maybe when he hits the head, it knocked him out and that allowed Mark to summon the suit. But when he lands, he's in a new suit, and it seems to be Steven. What What do you think happened there? Um, I just sort of think that it's like they're playing with the notion that, especially because as we get to the end of the episode, we sort of see that the Mark and Steven dynamic is going to change a lot. And I think they're at that moment, they're playing with the idea that these two guys are at war with each other in a way they haven't really been before. And, yeah. and you know, the 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 conflict within Steven to let Mark out at all is, you know, is, 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 is runs deep, especially after that confrontation with Arthur. So I, I think that's kind of what, it's just the idea that like both these guys are kind of fighting for real estate right now. Yeah. Uh, in the comics, the suit's called Mr. Knight. So it's a different personality than, than Moon Knight. And uh, we have a great article on the site about this. Um, so if you want to read up on it, but um, I'll give you the gist. So uh, Moon Knight, struggles with DID, dissociative identity disorder, and has at least four identities total, including Moon Knight himself. Uh, but Conchu possesses four aspects of his own. He is Pathfinder, Embracer, Defender, and Watcher of the Overnight Travelers. And he also has another secret aspect called the One Who Lives on Hearts. And each of these is believed to affect Mark differently. So... This article explains it much better than I could, but the one who lives in hearts is considered to be the most violent manifestation of Moon Knight. Uh, on the other side of the coin is Mr. Knight. Uh, that through is it's it's he's like more of a pacifist. He definitely has like is more of a level-headed approach in the comics. Mr. Knight is like the character that can work with the NYPD without having to answer for the misdeeds of Moon Knight. So um 
it'll be interesting to see how how they play with the different uh, Moon Knight versus Mister Knight in in the series. But it seems like Stephen is in control of Mister Knight in this in this show, and uh, the creature and Stephen go at it. And Layla can't see anything, and they both battle this invisible creature. And it's it's kind of interesting how we see it from her point of view, with her not being able to see the creature, but still being able to attack it because it exists. It's kind of invisible. And then we see Steven's point of view, where we can actually see the creature. Um, Steven punched the beast, but it wasn't enough to take him out. And they go, they get hit by a car. Mark pleads with him to let him take control from the reflection of the bus. And finally, Steven allows it, and Moon Knight transforms how we saw him last week at the end of last week's episode. And uh, Moon Knight scales the building, lures the jackal across the top of the buildings. Uh, wonderful shot of, like, the crescent moon in the background as they're, like, running it on top of the buildings. And Mark stabs a crescent blade into the jackal and impales him on a spire. Disp- it, 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 like, turns into sand. Uh, the, the other thing I wanted to mention was it's really cool how like Moon Knight, he, like he has that logo on his chest, but that's also where he pulls out that like crescent blade comes out of his chest. It's a cool uh, bit of design there. Um, what did you think of this whole sequence? Um. Uh, well, the, the only thing I didn't like really was like the when Mr. Knight is sort of battling the werewolf, like the kind of why I ought to, you know, sort of like mousy guy boxing thing. But the one thing, like it was what, it was a little corny for me, but it worked out. But I did really, one of the moments I really liked was after he kind of lands that punch. Mark tells Steven, he's like, Hey, like he compliments the punch. I thought that was like a nice, I (laughs) thought I I really did like that moment. I thought that was nice. Um, But no, overall I liked it. But again, like, you know, setting the TV visual visual effects element of it aside, I I, I found it to be a well choreographed and, and interesting sequence for sure. And at the end of this, Mark realizes he doesn't have the scarab and that scarab is uncovered by a homeless man who is killed by Arthur who takes it. So now Arthur has uh, the compass that will lead him to Amit and uh, Stephen is... Now the reflection talking to Mark, he's trapped in the reflection and Mark won't give him the body back. So we kind of have a reversal of what we've seen this whole episode. And uh, I guess the one who has the body has the power. And Mark promises when he's done uh, and repaid his debt, you'll never hear from him again. Do, Do you think that's true? Do you think at the end of this, when Mark is repaid his debt to to conch you that he'll give the body back to Steven. Uh, well, yeah. Cause I don't get the sense that, well, yes and no. Cause I don't get the sense that Mark is like eager to keep living, you know, like he, he seems like a really kind of forlorn guy. Um, kind of wants to be done with a lot, but, but he's also very concerned for, you know, his wife. And that becomes very clear that, you know, the divorce and some of these other things is clearly to put some distance between him, you know, her and Conchu. And uh, so, you know, he might want to live for her sake, but I, I don't, I, I kind of think Mark's ready to, like, at this moment, he's ready to just be done, you know, mm. not just with Moon Knight, but just like he, he seems ready to just hang it up. So I do believe I... on some level 
but I but but I do think it's the idea that like it's that thing in ba- it's that thing in the Dark Knight right where Rachel writes that letter to Bruce and she's like, you know, you once told me of a time when like you know you wouldn't need to be Batman anymore, but like you'll always need Batman. And I think there's that thing, especially because Conchu, like there's always another mission. Like Mark will never be done. Yeah. I, I, you also mentioned uh, his wife, and I, there's something interesting there because right after this, Stephen says that Mark abandoned his wife, and Mark argues that he was protecting her, and uh, it made me wonder, like, so who exactly, in last week's episode, Stephen went out on a date with a woman that he assumed that Mark asked out at his uh at his work so if if mark is still is still in love with layla if he's still protecting her why would he ask some woman at the at the museum out on a date what do you what do you think or do you think maybe there's a a fourth personality at work here Mm, that would be a good possibility because i hadn't considered that at all actually Although I think um, now that I think of it, now that I brought that up, I think when she approaches him at the gift shop, she calls him Mark. So I don't think there's. I, maybe, I, I doubt I they're going to go into this, but I'm I'm curious why he would. I actually I hadn't thought about that at all. Um, yeah. I'm not I'm not super sure. Uh, I, I mean, now that you brought it up, I hope they address it. <laughs> or maybe someone's maybe someone smarter than me has already answered this, but yeah, I hadn't thought about that. That's that's an interesting idea because, yeah, like that would that would sort of be a little scummy on Mark's part, right? I mean, it's, uh, maybe he's trying to move on to protect her. I mean, he's lonely. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to come up but with, but they're not at all divorced yet, and she's very yeah. much still like she still cares about him a lot, like very clearly. You know, so oh, uh, ooh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I I don't think I know any information on this in the upcoming episode. So that's just the question I had. Um, apparently, Mark promised Conchu that Stephen would not interfere, but he, Stephen's obviously interfering here. And Conchu says that he he was a corpse when he found him, and that body be- belongs to him. So, uh, since Arthur was the previous avatar for Conchu, or I, I guess that was alluded to, does that mean that he would have also have died? Like, what do you think the rules are to like, who is Moon Knight? Do, do they must? Uh, well, I, 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 I think... Yeah, or either that or Arthur found a unique way out of it. You know, like, we don't know, like, like Arthur might have, and like, that also might lead to why, like, aside from what Arthur is doing, it also might lead to why Conchu almost seemingly has like a vendetta against him. Like, let's say Arthur did sort of as Arthur and not as Moon Knight, you know, come to Amit and, you know, sort of get away from the, the Moon Knight thing, then that could have necessitated Conchu finding mark and you know i don't know yeah like that but i don't know if it's it's either dead or released probably right like either you're like 
it's like Ghost Rider on some level. Like you're, you know, you're, 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 you made a deal with the devil, and in this yeah. case, a god. Um, you know, so you either find a loophole and get released, or you, you die in service of of your new god. Yeah, we also learned that Leila is the next candidate to be Kanchu's avatar. So if he leaves. Uh, that's going to be what happens. And he doesn't want that to happen, which is interesting. So uh, the end scene reveals what the first shot of the episode kind of teases. Uh, we're now in a in Mark's hotel room. Uh, we're now in Egypt. The pyramids of Giza are seen outside the, the, the window. And uh, Gi- sorry, Giza... <laughs> Pyramids of Giza, is that correct? I think that's correct. Oh, don't ask me to pronounce. I, I'm not. I'm not even going to do I, that. I, I think. I think that's the case. I'm sorry. Uh, anyways, uh, so and also worth noting, the final shot shot of the animated credits is different from last week. Last week it showed the Moon Knight's like hooded, like uh, medium shot, and then in this episode, the, the end of the credits shows Mister Knight instead. So. So uh, w- where this leaves us with them now in Egypt, uh, I guess for in speculation, uh, why is he in Egypt? What what's going to happen next? What do, what are your theories? Uh, I mean, uh, you know, there's clearly going to be a bit of a bit of a bit of a quest going on here. Um, yeah. But I don't really have any like, I don't really have any bold predictions, and I don't think. I don't have any like thoughts on like a twist or anything. Cause I also think like, and as much as this is a unique story with the multiple personalities and the kind of like, not so villainy villain, um, it, it is sort of telling the story that it seems to be telling, um, within those confines. So I'm not like expecting, a a lot of twists or anything. Yeah. yeah. And maybe that's wrong of me, but, but, um, <laughs> Sometimes things can just be what they are, and I think right now that's what this is, and I like that. So um, I'm kind of just along for the ride. And it's not like Loki or WandaVision where I was, like, you know, getting yarn boards out to try to figure out, you know, what was going on. Like, this is very much like I'm following the linear story here, and, and the the unique wrench in the spokes is the multiple personalities. But other than that, there does yeah. seem to be a more, like, linear comic book story at its center. So just to be clear, the linear story is obviously that Amit's tomb is somewhere in Egypt, which Arthur is after and has the the scarab that can bring him there. And Mark slash Stephen slash Moon Knight must stop that from happening. Yes, yes. And with with yeah. the stakes of the loved one at stake, right? Like you have you have yeah. the love you and then that's so to me, that's kind of a a pretty standard method of storytelling within both comics and adaptations of comics. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, and- I, I think you're right though. I don't think there's like many like big questions or like things to speculate at this point, but who knows? I mean, they could throw something in there. Like we don't, you know, like it, it, it's Marvel, everything's on the table, but, but I, I kind of stopped with the crazy speculation stuff after WandaVision because like that led nowhere. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, Loki it, had some good stuff though. There's some good. Loki was, uh, Loki was good. I like Loki a lot, but but uh, but yeah, no, like the the speculation sort of, and you and I both know as Star Wars fans, madness that way lies. So, oh yeah, I enjoy it though. 
anyways, um, if you have any speculation, if you have any comments, uh, thoughts that you might want us to read in a future one of these podcasts, I can't promise you that we will read it on the air, but uh, send your thoughts, speculation, comments, concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com, and maybe you'll end up in the feedback section. Uh, on, on the site on Slash Home, uh, I think there's almost like a dozen articles on Moon Knight Episode 2. Uh, there's an article breaking down the best scene. There's an article on why Conchu is a total jerk, and that's great. There's um, the, the article that you mentioned where uh, the bad guy uh, talking about the bad guys having the same plan as an Edgar Wright villain. Uh, there's there's a ton of stuff there. Uh, yeah, I would. Uh, I'm gonna put links to all of it in the show notes. So if you want to check that out, you can check that out. You can find more of all of our work at Slash from the Com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast. Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. We'll see you tomorrow.